Hip FM's Extra Time with Ronan Quirk. Brought to you by La Heart Skoda, the new name for Skoda in County Tipperary. Check out laheart.ie for their latest offers. Welcome along, listeners, to Extra Time here on Tip FM. Paul Carroll filling in for Ronan Quirk on a cold Monday, the 16th of January 2023. Plenty to talk about over the next hour, uh, looking back on the sporting weekend that was here in Tipperary. But I suppose only place we can start really is Tipperary versus Limerick in the McGrath Cup. And uh, joining me to speak about that game is Tom McGrath. Tom, you're welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Paul. Tom, you had uh, fairly hellacious conditions, I would say, the last 10 minutes in uh, Feathertown Park on Saturday. What looked a relatively cold afternoon became a, a dangerous enough afternoon the last 10 minutes with that hailstorm that came down there. Yeah, although from my vantage point anyway, relatively cold would be understating it a bit. It was, uh, <laughs> I, I, like, you know, you think you'd get the right position for a match, but uh, we ended up looking into the sun and with the wind in our faces, but that's the, that's the way the thing was. Good, good venue and all that, but it was cold throughout, but then, um, like, it got really bothering and dangerous, I suppose, for the last 10 minutes, like. So yeah, the, I, hail, I just saw hail, it on the stream. really came, like, yeah, and... It was bad enough as spectator, but trying to play at that stage. But no, look, that's your conditions were the same for both teams, I suppose. Really, and um, I suppose you'd look at it and say, well, was it a chance, a chance let slip, or was it? But you, you analyse the game, you say, look, a draw against Limerick, I think, was a decent, a decent enough return. Uh, the way the thing finished, came out towards the finish, it was probably a chance let slip to have won it. But I think overall, Tipperary would be happy with their two games in the McGrath Cup. Yeah, definitely, because I suppose when I saw the result, I couldn't get to the game myself, but when I saw the full-time score, uh, the first thing that came into my head was, okay, pity they didn't win it because they they had a chance to win it there at the end. But I'd say even having just not playing another game before the league um, isn't the worst thing in the world either. No, I I think not, Paul. Um, like okay, we'll be we'll possibly cover, we'll talk to talk to Hurling in a, in, a, in a minute or two as well. But I think the footballers, the fact that they're they're starting next next uh, Saturday week, uh, <clears throat> and the fact that their their panel is probably not as uh, wide as the as the Hurling panel. I think the one game, the two good games that they got so far, they probably got got to look at thirty plus players and picked up a few knocks here and there because like the match on the match on Saturday was. A good hard physical match now. Good good hard tackles. Limerick is fairly abrasive sort of a team. Big strong raw footballers, well able to play. And every time you're you're hitting off them lads, if you're giving away a couple of inches, you're giving away a bit of a, a bit of a physical advantage as well. Like, but <clears throat> no, they they look at it and say, look, the focus has to be the down match on Saturday week. That's the, that's the biggest. That's the big game at the moment, and it'll give lads a, a bit of time to recover and a match. I think the middle of this week again mightn't be the best preparation either physically or possibly mentally then if you weren't right physically for the match like. Yeah and especially because a lot of the the players played in both of those games or started both of those games in the Waterford game and the Limerick game it finished up Tipperary 2-10 Limerick 1-13 uh, Limerick kind of led for large parts of the game and then Tip got a goal in about two minutes into injury time it was Joseph Lawrence of Rockwell Rovers who came on and got the goal not sure if he knew too much about it it was kind of a bobbled around in around the goals and then into the back of the net and it looked like Tip were kind of going to come away with the win until Limerick got that late equaliser 
Yeah, like a, <clears throat> and would have had a chance to go two in front, and you'd look at it now and say maybe <laughs> they've run down the clock a little bit more. But uh, I'd say if they were if they were being shot t- from the sideline, they'd say the clock was well run down because the, the thing the clock said five five extra minutes at least. I didn't think there was any major stoppage after that, but there was about six twenty six twenty five on the clock when Limerick got the equaliser. But I don't think there was there wasn't anybody making any fuss about that. But yeah. at the same time, having gone the point in front at the critical stage, they went in front. They'd like to have held it out too. If there was a disappointing feature, it was the way that they allowed Limerick to come back up at him and, and snatch the equaliser. Probably something that a draw was probably a fair result because Limerick looked to have all the aces early on. There were probably one three to a point up early on and then Tip consolidated and I thought there was a lot to admire about the way they settled they settled into the game and worked the thing back and then Limerick had gone on a bit in the second half again and Tip still worked it back and Joseph Lawrence's goal then um, like I said was, was finished at a stage and looked to have done the deal but uh, it wasn't to be unfortunately no, but I suppose Tip's, Tip's other goal was, was Sean O'Connor in the first half. Really well-worked play up through the hands, up through the middle of the field, and then finished off by Sean O'Connor, who's been really impressive well, the last kind of year or so, but he's really kind of coming into his own in that full forward line. But also in the full forward line is Stephen O'Brien, who we've, who we've seen uh, in full forward the last two days. But unfortunately, it looked like he pulled up in the first half with uh, some form of injury. I'm not sure if, if you saw it there, did it look too bad? Or what, did you, did you uh, catch a glimpse of that? Well, I suppose the beauty of the, the McGrath Cup with the unlimited substitutions is that once a fella has shown any signs of any bit of discomfort at all, he's taken off and you, you bring in somebody else and that's that's what the thing is about. Uh, no, you'd be hoping that uh, that he'd be okay because Stephen is only coming back into the into the picture after after being out for a good while. So, And he's an important player to very unfortunate to have fellas coming back into, this, into the, the squad and then they're losing fellas at the other end and being in Division 3 you kind of want to have everybody at this stage but Sean O'Connor was the lad you mentioned at, at the outset Sean O'Connor is a relatively young player I think he'll contribute a lot over the, over the next few years but it's this year and I think <clears throat> the, the younger fellas and the more footballer types will benefit from Division 3 I think in the, the higher up the divisions you go okay it's a higher standard but you have better standard referee and better quality pitches and you know, more obvious game plans, if you like. That I think it's. Uh, I, I think Tipper in a good position, but they'll still need to consolidate the, uh, from the very start in Division Three because they've only three home games, so you have to be winning your home matches. And um, like down with with uh, Kilcoo by probably back in harness now with Conor Everty in charge, he's probably going to get the Kilcoo lads, and we know what they bring to it too. Loads of energy and fitness and I mean down, down are a good team there's no doubt about that but more about that next week I suppose really Yeah um, I suppose another player that has <clears> come back from injury is uh, is Paddy Fee and I need a really good game against Watford but he went off as well injured in that first half going up for a kick out came down pretty hard and of course in, in Feathertown Park you know the AstroTurf coming down hard on that is not ideal but um, you'd be hoping that he'd be okay he was he was down for a bit but was able to kind of be assisted really off the field so hopefully um, it's not too serious for for Paddy yeah I think it was the, I think it was the contact with the ground is what done the damage to him and like uh, I think maybe not it's, it's possibly hopefully it's not as bad as was um, first feared because like you like say he's only come back from injury and that's the last thing you want to see happen is a fella getting a getting a heart bang landed kind of been if you're playing another game now you might have said he was taken out in the air but uh, he, <laughs> he got the bang off the ground is all he got for his troubles but uh, no he he was off and uh, I think he'd be I, I think I'd be expecting he'd be okay for two he has two weeks now rather than having to you know 
it's 10 days or 13 more days is important like yeah, yeah, no, because it's it it's a good squad of lads that are there, but you, you still need the the kind of main lads down through the middle of the field uh, to be fit, if at all possible. What what have you made of um of of Stephen O'Brien in that full forward role? I know we didn't get to see much of it the other day, but is that something you like, or would you prefer him out around the middle of the field? I definitely, I definitely see, I definitely like to see him out at eight, nine, or eleven would be where I would see Stephen O'Brien as being the big contributor because he's in the position to. <clears throat> Contest our our own kickouts possibly, or <clears throat> use you go back under the under the kickout, the limerick kick or the opposition kickouts and pick breaks and that type of stuff. Gives you great physical presence there in that in 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 that we call it the middle third. And I think his 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 skill and his size and his athleticism I think would be better utilised out there. But look, tis the the lads that are the lads that are in charge of the team are the ones that make those decisions. They're working on tactics for all of the week we just get to see him for 70 minutes at the end of the week so I'll, I'll, I'll trust the judgement of the management to come up with the best place for Stephen anyway Yeah and we'll, we'll talk a bit more football um, after the break but I suppose Tom today uh, it was confirmed that Tipper are going to be playing Cork in the Munster Hurling League final it's going to be next Sunday at, at 3 o'clock um, in Porky Rin and it's a game that's going to be live here on Tip FM as well but uh, it's kind of a strange one for a tip in terms of they didn't really know that they're going to be in this until Clare bet Watford by a couple of points and now they have a Munster Hurling League final I, I'm sure they would have planned for this and, and things like that but um, yeah, it's, an, it's another game anyway to see the, see the hurlers before the league yeah, well, we kind of touched on it at the start. The footballers, I felt, didn't want an extra game. But I think the hurlers will relish this extra game. And, um, you know, <clears throat> it's, it's like any of the, the league systems, let it be the Munster Championship or the straight National League. Um, win your home matches and limit the losses away. Um, you know, the tip lads did a number on Clare, beat them by eight points. That did well, I thought, to keep them keep it to within three points below in Watford. Or well, in Mallow, I suppose really it was an advantage probably going to Mallow. Yeah. But um, they, they they managed they managed that game well, and for a long spell it looked as if they were going to win it. But um, it has worked out okay. I mean, um, Watford had to go to had to go to Ennis, and that's that's a hard place to go to. So a narrow a narrow win for Clare was enough to get Tip into the final. And look, it was outside of Tip's control, but Tip already had their had their work done. I mean, good performance in Mallow and uh, more than decent performance in Ian against Clare. So, during the final in Cork, will represent a different test now on the Astro below in um, in, in, par- in Park. Or sorry, not the Astro. I'm thinking the field at the back of Parky Cave. Yeah. It's in Parky Ring, the matches. Parky Ring, yeah. pitch should be, should be fairly, should be good and dry. So, yeah, well, it's, yeah, it's an extra it's... game, like, and Cork are going to represent a, a, a different challenge. Yeah, and Cork, Cork bet Limerick uh, by a point over the weekend, 20 points to 116. But obviously, not of both teams obviously not playing full strength at this time of the year. But how do you think uh, Tip will kind of approach this? Is this another game to test lads out to maybe have a look at new lads? Or is this kind of, let's let's get a bit of silverware? Or, or what way will they, will they approach it, do you think? Well, I suppose it's hard to predict how it will be approached. But no matter what way the team works out, Paul, I think when you have a panel of 30, approaching 40 lads there, it should like uh, you, you get you get a mix of uh, trialists and established players in that, and you get them out. And I mean, Cork are going to be doing something similar. And like it depends where they are then with their with their various training. Tipperary's group like starts with the match against Leeds, so Tip can go at it. I think from the from the from the start and go. I, I'd be going with a with a strong hand and 
results it's a results driven game and I think it builds confidence as well like and the fact that you're in the, you're in the final at this stage well sure why not go and try and win it then because God knows there was enough made of the way the thing worked out last year when <laughs> Tip lost Kerry and that type of stuff but no that's last year this year is a different year but no going down to Cork playing Cork is a test in itself and look Cork will be trained fellas We'll be trying a number of fellows as well, and it's about it's much about the performance, I think, as a result. But the, the management will be learning, will be learning from the matches. They've got they got a good test with Waterford, like I said, the first match, and Clare then represents a different kind of test, and it was a battle, I suppose, really. And Tip came out on top of that one. That's the important bit, like. Yeah, and just from seeing those games, so two games so far, has has there any of the kind of new players or um, you know players that have been given a chance that that have impressed you so far? Well, I suppose. They're looking, there's been a, a change. One game in the goal, Reese Shelley. We've conceded no goal, so I mean that's a that's a that's a that's a positive in itself from the goalkeepers and full back line. They they have a bit of pride in themselves, like they don't like conceding goals. So that'll be something that they'll build on. And you know maybe there could be one scored after ten seconds on Sunday, but it's something to. It's it's a bit of something to to build on and say let's let's use that as a building block for for a performance, but um. I suppose there's a lot of um, uh, interest centering on Michael Breen at um, at full back. How that's yeah. going to how that's going to work, and Cork will present a different kind of a test now. In the in Parkerine, will be tight enough, like, but Cork with their fleet for the forwards and that type of stuff, and their mixed up game plans. You know, they'll they'll be they'll be coming to tip a little bit differently, and they'll have noted they won't have to wait for me to say the tip have conceded no goal, so they'll be trying to. Get one over and tip, get a goal, get a goal early on too. Like and like, there's a lot of players then haven't haven't seen any game time. But Paddy Cadell is one that has been there thereabouts for a few years. He's got he's got a couple of chances to how he'll where they'll go with him for finish with the goal as a half back or maybe centre field is one could suit him. Dan McCormack similarly, he's been working at wing back and seems to be going all right. But but the big um, big surprise the last the last day against Clare and. Was was a success in most people's minds. I think it was the place in Seamus Kennedy at at, um, at wing forward, mm. and uh, like he can like just do positions really matter a lot now. Paul, that lads are lads are picked with a number on their back, but yeah, it's how the tactical plot evolves. Seamus spent a lot of his time kind of as a, a third midfielder, I suppose, really, and good contributor, good forceful player, loads of experience at this stage, and. No, good man the ball and a good eye, a good eye for a score as well. So I think ideally, suited that role. Like. Yeah, definitely. But um, uh, Tom, just before I let you go, I suppose there's a there's under twenty one games and Hearty Cup games over the last week as well. Just wondering if you if you got around or saw any of those. Um, well, I, I was in I was in Federton actually last last Wednesday for the, for the Middleton De La Salle match. Okay, and Middle, Middleton are going to be playing Thurles now, so. What yeah, um, I suppose the surprise, what surprised me in that is that I had seen I had seen De La Salle against Nina in an earlier round, and yeah. uh, opinion was that Middleton were strong favourites for possible and possible favourites to win out the win out the the, the competition. But uh, De La Salle really put it up to him on, on on last Wednesday, and put it, all the but all the matches were were, were tight for the mm. last few minutes. But uh, Middleton actually or De La Salle led by two points with about a minute of normal time to go and score the goal from about 25 yard free and um, worked worked another goal shortly after that so that was all the difference De La Salle looked as if they were going to win it up to that and played some nice sensible hurling but um, I think Middleton will have to improve from what I saw particularly their tactical 
set up allowed Delisnell two loose players in the in the half back line, which was a kind of a strange set up really and they almost come, came unstuck on it, even though they seemed to be the slightly better players I thought over the over the hour. Yeah, so that's uh, I think this Saturday Thurlis are playing um Thurlis are playing that Middleton side and Cashel are playing Arts Reach. So good to see some Tipperary teams up there, but uh we'll leave it at that for uh, for this week, Tom. Uh, thanks for that. You're more than welcome, Paul. Cheers, that's uh, Tom McGrath there giving us the rundown on uh, some of the local GA, of course, and uh, that Tipperary versus Limerick match. And uh, we'll be talking more GA after the break. And welcome back to Extra Time here on Tip FM. Paul Carroll stepping in for Ronan Quirk on this uh, Monday, January the 16th. And uh, just before we talk more Gaelic games, just a reminder to listeners that the Tip FM Sports Star of the Month Award is ongoing for the month of January. It's in association with the Talbot Hotel in Clonmel. And if you'd like to nominate someone you believe is deserving of this month's award, then you can email sportsstar at tipfm.com. And uh, we are currently taking nominations for the month of January. And of course, uh, last month's uh, winner in December was uh, Sean Tobin from Clanmel Athletics Club. So that email address again is sportsstar at tipfm.com. So uh, joining me now on Extra Time is uh, Michael Dundon. Michael, you're welcome to the show. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Michael, you were another person who was at that Tipperary uh, football game. We're also going to be talking to you about a, a very popular uh, under-21 game that happened over the weekend as well. But we'll start with the football first, I suppose. Um, your overall kind of takeaway from uh, from that drawn result for Tipperary and, I suppose, from what we've well, seen so far from Tip. I suppose, if you like, there was mixed emotions in the sense that when Joseph Lawrence got the goal, uh, we thought Tip had it won. Uh, in extra time we thought that we had won and having said that we would have said they would have been a bit fortunate to win and as Limerick, Limerick were certainly uh, you know looked a little sharper than our fellas uh, throughout but when Joe Lawton, but you'd have to give the tip lads credit they never they never faltered they kept after them even when the when, when the thing wasn't going their way but uh, they were a bit unfortunate I thought then to get caught uh, I'm not too sure where the referee found all the extra time but but uh, or all the injury time, but uh, um, the felicis or somebody keeping checking it. I can't say that I was keeping check, but uh, it, it certainly went a bit longer. I think I think they indicated five minutes, and it certainly was up again the seventh minute. It was over six minutes when when it was done. But you look at that's what happens. I know. Just talking to David Power afterwards, he he was he was happy enough. Uh, with the thing, you know, he, he, he said uh, um, that he, he sees that the more they're, they're, they're making, making good progress and they're just looking forward to getting on with the league now at this stage. Yeah, because we're, I was mentioning that with, with Tom McGrath before you come on, just about the, like they probably would like maybe a bit of a rest before the league now and, and another league final against uh, whoever they would be up against. Um, I'm not sure if that uh, is finalised yet. I think it could be Cork. Um, you know, it's, it's probably it's probably grand to just have a have a week, a bit of rest for the lads before they prepare for down in the league. Well, well there's that and there's also the fact that between the two matches, uh, David Power has used 24 and one and 25 players in another, so it is probably a time maybe for a bit of assessment as to uh, you know where we stand with our panel, uh, who we have, who we're going to have, and of course also looking ahead to the league, as as was mentioned in your in your earlier piece there. There's the question of the injuries to Stephen O'Brien mm. and 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 Paddy Feehan. Um, you know, how serious are they? And I know that was a concern for David Power after the match as well. So it is. But hopefully they'll all, they'll all be doing well. And, and uh, I thought actually, and Tom modestly enough didn't make any references, but uh, I thought Lee McGrath yeah. uh, made a big impact when he came on. 
uh, uh, he, he, he seemed prepared to have a go for a score where other lads were maybe passing the ball to somebody else to let them take the responsibility. But Liam Liam is a very good kicker off of either foot and he certainly made an impression when he came in. And that's it's such a it's such an advantage to have being so good off either foot. I, I even saw him playing with Lockmore this year. He's he's hitting uh, frees from from either foot as well. So it just makes it way harder for a defender to defend. And uh, someone like Lee McGrath, it's it's just great to have him back in the squad. That's right, and, and I mean he's a very experienced player now, and, and he knows what it's all about. And uh, great to have him back. Uh, he was missing there. He, he was away on on travelling. Was it was it the year before last or last year? I forget which now. Yeah. Um, but but uh, it's great to have him back and in full in full flight, as they say. Yeah, I think he was in Australia for for a while. Then he came back That's for a right. wedding, and they, right. yeah. they kept him. They kept him here, uh, thankfully. But um, I suppose th- this tip football team, from what we've seen so far, and I know it's only the, the McGrath Cup, but there definitely is goal scoring intent, and there is goal scorers in that forward line. There is, and 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 uh, I, I mean. Um, the goal obviously will be to win promotion out of Division Three, and and that's certainly within their 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 scope. Uh, they they would be well up for it. But as Tom said and as everyone said, a good start is important, and, and particularly with the way the the games are falling out with three at home and four away, you certainly want to be winning your home games, and to be nice to get the to show on the road with a win if you could. Uh, it certainly even even with in a seven match program. Losing the first one puts you a bit on the back foot. It leaves the margin for error after that is is, is greatly diminished. So, uh, as you would say, to Sokma, that's Nahibra. So, uh, as we said, that that first game is Saturday the 28th. So, Saturday week, it's in Semple Stadium. It's against Down and it's at 6pm. So, uh, we look forward to that. But uh, also, another uh, game that was put up in Feathertown Park over the weekend was uh, the Under-21A Hurling Tournament. So, this is a a tournament organised by the, I suppose, the divisional winners of of the Under-21 and both the A and B wanted to continue it on to, to county level. And they've organised a, a tournament between all the divisional winners, and all the proceeds from these games are going to the Dylan Quirk Foundation, which is a, a very good cause. But by all by all accounts, an absolute classic in Feathertown Park between Mullinahon and Bursley in the A semi final. I think it finished up after extra time. Mullinahon three twenty four um, was it uh, Bursley two twenty three. So that's right. A, a, yeah. a classic game by all accounts, and, and a big crowd there too. There was a right crowd there, and, and it was a right good game. All the way, and and as often in case like this, Lee looked at, at, at um, say twenty two, fifty two minutes gone, fifty three minutes gone. There were six points up. They got a goal and a point to stretch their advantage to one sixteen to not thirteen. And at that stage, you'd have been putting your money on Borussia to to uh, to win it out or to win out. But uh, Mulnahorn got a goal uh, just after that. Mikey O'Shea it was a terrific. Uh, uh, what do you call it, individual goal he, he had made some great runs from midfield with the ball taking on the defence going by fellas and he, he, he was a big strong lad stronger maybe than some of the lads that that, that, that he was facing but he got a goal which which brought Mulnahorn or kept Mulnahorn in the frame it was 116 to 113 at that stage but you'll still be back in what you call it um, uh, Boris Lee were defending their 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 their, their uh, um, three point lead fairly well, but then right just coming up the time they got uh, Owen O'Dwyer got a goal for for Mulnahorn to bring him level, and and that was just on the hour 
and Eddie Ryan then pointed a free, and, and incidentally, Eddie, Eddie Ryan was was spot on all evening for uh, for Boris Lee off the yeah. ball. He was excellent. So he was, but he got a, a, a point for Boris Lee in the 61st minute. And you said that's that Boris are going to get through by the skin of the teeth, but uh, they didn't because in a, a minute or two later, uh, Connor Whelan. Uh, centre half back for Carrick Swans, or for um, Mullinahone, I should say. He's a Carrick man, but uh, he, for, for Mullinahone, he pointed a free uh, from from just on on the halfway line uh, to make a draw of it. So it was two seventeen for Mullinahone, one twenty for Borussia when the game went into extra time. So it was, and the winning of the game I thought was in the first seven or eight minutes of extra time. Yeah. Uh, um, Mulnahone ran up. That they had a goal, uh, a goal from uh, Pa Hayes, uh, three minutes after resuming, and they had uh, one, two, three, four other points. They went three twenty-one to one twenty clear, and it looked at that stage as if they were home and dry. Yeah. But Boris came back then, and and Eddie Ryan pointed the free, and Jack Jack Fitzgerald had a goal for him just before the break. So that's at half time and extra time. It was 3.21 to 2.21 for Mullinahone. Sure much, drama. Yeah, very much all to play for uh, at that stage. But in the second half of extra time, Mullinahone hung on doggedly. So they did. And they actually outscored um, Borussia three points to two in, in that period. But it was a right, good, a right good game. And I could see, I, I was thinking to myself afterwards, that um, there will be a lot of people coming up and saying, we should keep that under twenty. We should have kept that under twenty-one holding championship. It is a great yeah. competition, and certainly from the two, I didn't see the other semi-final when my own lads told us Arsenal beat Cashel, but I was talking to a man who was at it, and that too was a thriller. I guess. Yeah, fifteen and, points and, to thirteen in that one. It's so, uh, another very close game. But yeah, like that was the one noticeable thing. And even in the in the B Championship, uh, Upper Church Drumban were two fifteen to one sixteen winners over Golden. And uh, the Burgess Kilnall game was was postponed due to an unplayable pitch. But that Upper Church Drumban Golden game was a close game as well. The Cashel Thurless one was close. And as you mentioned, Mullinahone Bursley yeah. went to extra time. So it is definitely a a, a very worth worthwhile grade, I suppose. And even just the names. You were real enough like anyone who's followed Bursley or Mullinahone senior teams like you know, Eddie Ryan uh, Mikey O'Shea of course that's Mikey O'Shea like who's, who would have been playing football with Tip the he day before football on Saturday that's right yeah and just so he could have been like, living down in Feather there over the weekend <laughs> he could have camped there like Bursley would have had James Devaney as well in, 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 in their forward line and Paddy McCormack who scored the famous goal that won the All-Ireland minor hurling final yeah. for Tip uh, he was in their forward line as well, and uh, Kevin Marr at centre back, who was, uh, who was uh, part of their senior setup. And then on the other side, it's uh, Connor Whelan, who I thought was very impressive. I said, yeah. he's, a, he's a fine cut of a fella, and well, he has to hold them plenty of pace when he has to go to it. And but he at centre back, and and Mikey O'Shea, who was officially playing full forward, but didn't wasn't hanging in around there. The two of them between them. Kind of, they spearheaded the Mullinahone thing. And in fairness, Mullinahone were only beaten in the county final last year by McCarkey. So, uh, you know, the, 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 the pedigree, their pedigree was well established. So it was. Darrell O'Brien, the fullback, was very good for them as well. So it was. And, and, and uh, Shane Morris swing forward. So it's a good, it'll be a very interesting game now between Mullinahone and, and Sarsfield in the final of that. Which and I, is I that to be played this weekend. week, this weekend coming? So I gather, I, where. At what day or what time, I've no idea. 
um, um, possibly fixed, maybe it is fixed already, I'm not sure, but to be an interesting one to see, because Sarsfield has a good handful of, of players with senior experience as well, James Armstrong and, and, and uh, um, Dara Stakeham and lads like that, you know, so, and Jack, Jack Lanigan, I gather, was very impressive for Sarsfield. Uh, in the forward line on, on in the win over Cashel. So it'll, it'll, it'll be an interesting game now. Well worth seeing. Would would Paddy Creedon still be underage on that team? He is, of course. I, I, I should have mentioned him. There's a good scatter there. Of, of, of yes, yeah, so some that have, serious have, talent on show in that final. Pardon? There'll be serious talent on show in that final. There will, will between, between both teams, like, yeah, yeah. So uh, we've got to look forward to along with plenty of uh, good hurling action over, over the next weekend. Uh, Michael Dundon, thanks for joining us on Extra Time. You're welcome, Paul. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's, uh, Michael Dundon giving us the rundown there. We're going to take a quick uh, ad break and we'll be back with uh, Harty Cup, local rugby and local soccer after the break. Extra Time on Tip FM. Brought to you by La Heart Skoda. The new name for Skoda in County Tipperary. Check out lahearts.ie for their latest offers. Welcome back, listeners, to Extra Time here on Tip FM. Paul Carroll filling in for Ronan Quirk on this Monday, January the 16th, 2023. So we're going to stick with Gaelic Games for another couple of minutes. We've a hearty cup action to talk about, which is always good at this time of the year. And uh, John O'Shea is joining us on the line to speak about that. John, you're welcome to the show. Uh, good evening, Paul. Uh, John, we've got two Tipperary teams left in the last four of the Hearty Cup. Thurlis CBS and Cashel Community School both won their quarterfinals during the week. Uh, Thurlis beat St. Coleman's for my 116-17 points. Cashel beat CBC Cork 113-13 points. And uh, Our Ladies Temple Moor were beaten in their quarterfinal to Arts Reach 122-116. We'll start with Thurlis CBS. It was proper late, late drama in front of a, a very loud crowd uh, in that Thurlis CBS game. Uh, first ball down in Bench on Wednesday there, uh, you know, Coleman were probably the favourites coming into that game. <clears throat> and they, got, they played with the elements, they aided the elements there, which was blown down the field uh, towards the village goal there in Bancha uh, last Wednesday. Now, it was raining probably three, up to about uh, 15, 20 minutes before the, the throwing. It was raining, I'd say, probably in the previous 12 hours there, you know. Very, yeah. very heavy rain there. But Coleman's got off to, the, to, to you know, to, I suppose the best possible start there. And they had... They had they had four points uh, inside the eight minutes there. Two of those coming from corner forward there, uh, uh, Brendan Lehane. And, he, you know, in that first eight minutes, he seemed to be everywhere, all over the, 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 the forward division. Uh, but Robbie Stableton there, the first his chapter, he broke the momentum there on nine minutes there, and he put over a good score. And he got the CBS <laughs> kicking over. Lehane again got in for his third point before... before, um, before Davidson again replied, so it was, it was what, five points to, to two after that. And, you know, the, the, the CBS in the back line, they really, um, you know, tightened up their uh, defence against against uh, Coleman's. And, yeah. and, you know, sort of took the game really, got into it. I suppose it took them a little while to get going in the elements because they were definitely, uh, it was tough going there. The, 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 the CBS forward, especially where, you know, find the tough goal. Young Robbie Ryan there from, from, from Holy, Holy Cross. Cross. Particularly down there, down the goal. But eventually he came into it and, and um, you know, he got a couple of great... Uh, got a, he, got, he got his first point. And, and that, that sort of set up uh, Torless there. Um, and by what? 
halfway through the, the, the half there, they had it off. 16 minutes gone, they, 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 they had it back to maybe two points. But Cormans pulled away again. And Tullus really stuck in. And, you know, you'd know the world, the world, they were really fighting a, a dogged battle there. And they didn't give the, the um, Coleman's forwards as much room as they had got early on because they did hit some lovely scores, Coleman's did. But against that, Tullus had a few bad, bad wides early on. And you could probably put it down to the elements because they were probably not striking strong enough, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and clean striking at this time of the year is, is tough as well. It is, yeah. But eventually, anyway, they, they, they um, coming up to half time there for the sort of, um, you know, it was, was, was eight all and then the eventually, oh, sorry, eight, eight, Seven or eight six, and then at half time for ten six, there are four points between them. But uh, Thomas came out in after the break, and they needed to get into the game uh, quickly because um, it, it was one of those those situations like that. That if you give Coleman, if Coleman's got an early an early uh, score, you know Thomas would have been in trouble. But the the um, Thomas came out uh, uh, and straight away after the break, Tommy now he's over sixty five. Uh, Robbie Ryan got his third score of the game and Stephen Welsh from way out under the stand there a long one from the half-back line and all of a sudden five minutes gone in the second half and there was a point between them but you know again uh, Coleman's came back Magnar there their top scorer there got a free uh, one from free and one from play back down again to three points twelve points to nine Tommy Maher and Joe Egan again came back in and Egan got a great score uh, from play uh, and then around the 16th minute, uh, Stephen Welsh got another huge long-range effort and it tied the game up for the first time at 13 all. But, you know, Thomas just couldn't hit the front and, 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 and the Coleman went off again. Two more points there from, from Owen Flynn and Michael Driscoll. Uh, Robbie Ryan hit his fourth from a free there and, and, and uh, pulled it back to one. But again, Coleman's just edged in front. Robbie Ryan again pulled it back to one. Coleman's again, and for Stockton, on the 30th minute, uh, Jamie Magnus is a point from a free, and for 17 points to 15, and you'd start to say, you know, Tullis are going to need a miracle now to, to, to get something out of this game. But you know what? They, they, they attacked, and they kept plugging on, and uh, about a minute and a half into injury time, they, they were rewarded with a free, slightly to the left of the goal, and the, I think he was probably, the Thomas Chap was probably fouled twice, because the rest brought the, the, brought the the, the ball back a bit towards the towards the nearest of the goal, but Tommy Mahon he was stood over then uh, uh, he it into the back of the net and all of a sudden <laughs> Thomas were two point two minutes into injury time Thomas were a pint up. Uh, the puck out came and it was overturned there. Robbie Ryan got picked it up and he's over a sort of a, a sort of an insurance point there. One sixteen to seventeen and following the puck out the final whistle went and you know it was a, a victory uh, at the death by Paulus, but it just proves that, you know, when when you're when you keep hanging in there, you know, there's always a chance that, that, that you will get that chance and they got the chance and, and they took it and that was the main thing. And Tommy Maher finished with one four there, one three from three there. Robbie Ryan six points, uh Stephen Welch two, Joe Egan, uh Daniel Russell and uh, with a pint each and, and Robbie Stapleton there with two points. But look at Thomas going to the final now against um Against um, uh, Middleton, Middleton in the, the semi final, yeah. 
or sorry, the semi-final, I should say, against Middleton. And, you know, Middleton have Thomas, you know, the last one is in, what, 2015. But I suppose if you look at Thomas' records, back, there are only two uh, Hearty Cup titles since 1956, which is a long, long, long time. Yeah. 2009 and 2015. Uh, you know, now they have been at the knockout stages there for a lot number of years, including last year when they were um, uh, beaten in the semi-finals. But I suppose it's like maybe the last day against Coleman. Last year they were beaten after 10 minutes. Uh, they, they'd want to settle down quicker because if somebody, when you get to the, this, the, the knockout stages of this, a good start is very important because you could have it, you could have it, you could be, you know, fighting out of the game b- before it and starts. Then, yeah. But, um, yeah, that's for that though. We've both of those semi-finals to look forward to this well, weekend, and, and, and hopefully, and yeah, and uh, just yeah, yeah and uh, it's cash cashel against out. Uh, they bet CBC Cork. I'd love to go through that game as well with you, John, but we're just uh, running out of time here. But hopefully next, uh, hopefully we could be looking forward to an all tip uh, all tip final uh, next uh, next Monday even. Wouldn't that be? Wouldn't that be? Wouldn't wouldn't that be something else? Like it? Look, at, hey, they're there on Mellis, and there are four teams left in it, and you know. I think to the toss up now, what level will happen on the day? There's really nothing between them uh, um, at this stage, you know. Perfect. John O'Shea, thanks for joining us on Extra Time. That's uh, John O'Shea there giving us the rundown on the Hearty Cup action. We're going to skip on to rugby now and uh, Cashel had a great win over the weekend in Division 2A of the AIL. They defeated Blackrock up in Dublin 14 points to 8 and I'm joined by Peter Silk to have a talk about that. Peter, you're welcome to the show. Thank you, Paul. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. As I said, they're a great win over Blackrock, who are uh, just above you in second place in the table. Uh, Cashel now up to third, but wins on the road like that in the AIL are huge. Well, they are massive actually because we had uh, we had the match in Cashel the week before, almost won. We were in injury time, and Blackrock got a very late try and a conversion to level the game, and we felt a little bit hard done by. So the lads in fairness extremely uh, determined going to Dublin on Saturday. Um, conditions were difficult in that the ground was very heavy and the wind was blowing straight down the field from the clubhouse in. Blackrock um, uh, had the wind in the first half and went eight points ahead after 15, 20 minutes. But Cashel came back and 33 minutes on the clock, they got a fantastic try. Well worked by the forwards and passed it out and the full-back, uh, Freddie Bergato, got over for a try. Uh, so it was 8-7 at half time, and it, that's the way it remained until three minutes from the end. In spite of the very strong wind that Cashel had, they didn't capitalise on it. Blackrock's defence was very, very good. They're a good team, and uh, Cashel just couldn't break them down. But with about three minutes left, uh, they got a scrum just outside the 22. James Ryan made a break, and he put Conor Cashman in in the corner for a brilliant try. Uh, so it was a very good win because we made up a little bit of ground on Black Rock. They're still two points ahead of us. And we're keeping in touch with Queen's, who are six points ahead of us. So there's a big battle going on uh, with the top three teams. And then there are three or four more teams, including Nina, Old Crescent, uh, Baron Hall. Yeah. They're just a few points behind. So it is a very, very competitive league. Brilliant matches. Uh, Saturday's match was top quality, um, you know, a high standard of rugby. Nina had a great battle then with, um, I think, Farnhall, 10-0, which keep, that leveled it out a little bit behind us as well. So, you know, a very important win as far as we were concerned because if we'd lost that game, Blackrock would have been another three or four points ahead of us. So, yeah, a vital win, but a great performance set, by the players. 
it sets up what's going to be a, a massive game for you now this weekend at home against Queens. The last time you played was up in Belfast, 38-31 it was that day. And this Queens right. team are averaging 35 points a game I was looking at it. So it's, it's going to be a, another high quality game by all accounts I'd say. It, it will be and it's a home match for us. It's a vital one again. We knew that the last these four games, two against Blackrock and two against Queens, the two top teams, it was vital that we would get points out of those matches. We got two points against Queens up in Belfast, and over the two matches we, with Black Rock, we got six points. So, you know, it's vital that we get something next Saturday. I think a win is essential if we're to haul in uh, Queens as the season goes on. But uh, it is a vital game. It's a home match, and we would hope that all our supporters will turn up because on Saturday last, Black Rock had a huge crowd at the match. Uh, all the old pass players, they were internationals and line players and uh, you know, all sorts of former all-time players, for want of a better word, there, you know. And if we could get our people to support us on Saturday, it would give great encouragement to the team. And it is a vital game, you know. They're all vital, but this one is particularly so. Yeah, and, need, and the, the big crowds do make a big difference because I, I was at Cashel and, and Nina when it was in New Ormond Park here uh, late last year and just a, a really good atmosphere at that game and just uh, uh, Cashel won that game on the day but just having a big crowd at these games which there usually is it just it, it really it really makes that home advantage an advantage it, it does it does absolutely I was at that match that was a cracking game mm. and uh, you know some of the rugby that was played that night was absolutely fantastic and I wouldn't write off Nina either for um, uh, a playoff position. They're playing very good rugby. And I think when they come to Cashel, they'll be very, very de- determined to uh, reverse that result in, in Nina. We, we came up with a, a winning bonus point that night. But after 20, 25 minutes, it didn't look as if we were going to get any points because Nina really hammered into us. So, you know, there are very, very good matches being played, Paul. The standard is high. Uh, there, there, are no, there are one or two weak teams in it. But the rest of the teams are all evenly matched. Uh, they're they're good, strong teams, well coached, and you know it's all to play for. It's it's a very very competitive division. Definitely, and just um, you, you played Blackrock obviously last weekend gone by. Nina are actually going to be playing them this weekend at home, and Nina are playing Blackrock at home. So, what, what anything Nina should be kind of looking out for with, with this Blackrock team? Well, they're they're very well organised. They have a big pack. They're very strong. Now, we matched them in the scrum and more than matched them last week. The previous week, and it, it all comes down to interpretation of, of uh, you know, who's messing in the front row of the scrum. Mm. Now, we were blamed in, in Cashel uh, for the, the home fixture and we got about eight penalties against us. But last weekend, there was a totally different interpretation <laughs> and we got five penalties. So, right. you know, it, that's one area they could look at. But... Uh, Blackrock, they're very, their backs are good. They can, they're not afraid to run the ball. They have a very strong big pack, and they can defend all day long. And one of the features of their season is that they won five or six matches, literally at the death. You know, they were, they, they I think against Nina up in Yeah, I think they, they bet Nina late on as well up, they, up in they Dublin. They won by a point with a drop goal in injury time. So that's the type of team they are. They're very good, uh, evenly matched. And uh, I think it'll be a question because I, I think the leader pack is very, very good. Uh, they have a lot of big players in there, big, strong guys. And uh, I think it'll be very evenly matched. There'll be nothing in it. But, um, you know, it's all to play for. It's great to see the two Tipperary teams in this division doing well, both challenging for at least a playoff position. And, um, you know, it's important that we, we 
you know, get that message out there and get the supporters into supporters because it does make a difference. Brilliant stuff. Uh, Peter Silk, thanks for joining us on Extra Time, giving us a, a great rundown on all things local rugby. Thank you, Paul. Brilliant. That's uh, Peter Silk there giving us um, the rundown on Cashel Rugby Club with a, a great win over Blackrock over the weekend and plenty of big games to come for both Cashel, Nina and Clonmel, of course, in the AIL in the coming weeks. But now to finish off today's show, we're going to talk local soccer and Barry Ryan joins me on the line. Barry, you're welcome to the show. Paul, how are things? All good, Barry. I suppose I uh, will... Before we start about happenings on the field in soccer, and although there was a, a lot of games um, fell fell to uh, the bad weather conditions we've had, but I suppose a, a couple of weeks ago you and Ronan spoke about the passing of uh, Chris O'Regan of Clonmel Town, and unfortunately in the uh, last week or so another kind of key soccer figure in the county, Paul Toomey of, of Peak Villa, um, who's a coach and, and well-known figure in local soccer, passed away. So it's been a kind of a tough kind of couple of weeks for uh, uh, local soccer, really, in, in that sense. Yeah, like we've lost another huge um, soccer coach and soccer man and a huge presence up in Peak Villa. Paul has been such a stalwart in the club with schoolboys um, this season, gone all the way helping with the junior team. Uh, he's worked with girls soccer in Tipperary. Just one of those guys, I just described it to somebody today, as a guy that could go into the dressing room, you could be 5-0 down, he'd find every single positive, get everybody smiling and feeling good about life. He was infectious, just that type of guy, born to coach, similar to... Chris last week we spoke about as well just had a knack about it and a way of always seeing the positive um, and it's just such a loss to everybody of course his family four first and foremost uh, and a huge loss to Tipperary soccer Yeah and we uh, send our condolences to all the, the Toomey family there in, in Thurlis um, but I suppose looking at on the field the big talking point going into this weekend was uh, St. Michael's versus Clonmel Town and the implications that would have on this league and could Clamel overturn uh, uh, St. Michael's but uh, for a finish th- there was no game uh, of course the conditions over the weekend uh, uh, took uh, another victim this weekend Yeah look it was a game I think they really whetted the appetite and we kind of feel like we've been shadow boxing for the last few months and this is going to be the first of the big clashes between um, Clamel Town St. Michael's and Peak Villa lying in wait for the next big clash and I suppose look at short notice the game was pulled I think the implications of it I think it'll be a big positive for St. Michael's heading to host this week in the FBI Junior Cup just an extra week to get a couple of bodies back and I think to freshen up after such a difficult and tough game against Villa Watford but I don't think they will have been too disappointed that the game was pulled yeah, and because just looking at the table, like it's uh, it's it's kind of nearly hard to read the table in terms of who's going well or not. Because I think it's uh, Clamwell Town are on, are on top. They've played seven games, but St Michael's have only played four games. And uh, I think is it is a Clamwell Celtic have played ten games. So it's a bit all over the place, kind of. And, and it's probably just weather and things like that have uh, kind of uh, made it a bit disjointed. Yeah, and look, cup runs and teams that have gone out of cups have played league games. And then, like, say, Michael's and Big Billet that are still going forward and cups haven't played league games. But I suppose, look, it's definitely like most years. It's going to be decided between the mini head-to-head of the top three playing each other. Thomas Town have dropped two points to Wilderness Rovers. So they're probably looking at having to win this head-to-head league with the top three. And they would have hoped to start on Sunday against St. Michael's. But look, it's going to be put back now another few weeks with the FBI and Munster Junior Cup taking precedence. But... Uh, I suppose, look, it's something for us all to look forward to in the new year. There's going to be one of really big games between league and cup coming tick and back. Yeah, definitely. And uh, just before we finish up, of course, you, you've mentioned it there. The FAI Junior Cup is the big local soccer uh, in the next weekend coming on, on next Sunday. We have uh, St. Michael's there up in Dublin away to Hoth Celtic at 2 o'clock and uh, Peak Villa at home to Killarney Celtic. So this is fifth round. So it's getting into the uh, the difficult stages of the competition. What, what are you expecting from these both games? 
yeah, you're in the business end of it now. This is the last 32, so you really have the top sides left. I think Big Villa have got a good draw. When the draw came out, it looked a really difficult draw. But since then, Kerry FC have been approved for the League of Ireland. And the rumour on the street is that six of those Canary Celtic players have signed for Kerry. So we don't expect to see them on Sunday up in Turles, which would be a colossal blow for Killarney Celtic because that would have been such a difficult tie for Big Villa. But it appears now it may end up being a pretty decent tie. For St. Michael's going up to Dublin is always difficult. Um, that's going to be a difficult tie in itself. But I suppose, look, who better to go on the road than St. Michael's? They've done this so many times before. And I wonder will their experience just get them through in a really tight game. Yeah, gee, I, and I actually spotted on Twitter today uh, on uh, the Kick Kerry FC's account that they've got some a couple of lads from Clarny Celtic. I definitely saw one today. So yeah, that is uh, that's something I hadn't even thought of. But that's a, that's an advantage there for Peak Villa. Yeah, huge advantage. They signed one today, the midfielder, and they signed a Croatian winger last week. Uh, but the big one is Stephen McCarthy, the centre forward. Nothing confirmed. But from good sources, it seems to be that we expect up to six players from Killarney. But the other question on this is, those players don't um, officially sign until February. So it is possible for them to play their last game for Killarney Celtic on Sunday. So right. that's probably the elephant in the room. And yeah. they're committed to Kerry. But with Kerry wanting to keep good relations below and Killarney and with local clubs, do they permit them to play? And then do Killarney want them to play knowing that they're going? So I suppose that's something that won't be revealed until Sunday. Yeah, so plenty of plenty of drama to even look forward to before the ball is even uh, or before the ball is kicked off. So uh, uh, we'll keep our eye on that. That's uh, next Sunday. Um, Barry Ryan, thanks for joining us on Extra Time. Thanks very much, Paul. That was uh, Barry Ryan giving us the rundown there on all things local soccer, as always, on uh, an extra time here on a Monday night. So that's pretty much all we've got time for. Um, I'd like to thank all my guests, of course, producer Ian O'Connor. And uh, with that, we will leave you. And uh, hopefully Ronan Quirk will be back next Monday. But for now, I shall talk to you again.